Welcome to the Tummy Team Journey podcast, where we share how functional core rehab can actually change your life. We share the stories of clients and professionals who have done Tummy Team programs, and we share so much more than that. I'm Kelly Dean, physical therapist and founder of the Tummy Team. I'm passionate about helping people find profound healing beyond the physical healing, but also emotional healing to be strong and pain-free for the life they were meant to live. This is Kelly Dean from the Tummy Team, and this is the Tummy Team Journey podcast. And we have a really fun episode today where we're going to be talking to one of our online clients from South Carolina, Megan. And Megan has, I think, a really encouraging story to share. Um, And I'm excited for you guys to hear and learn a little bit more about her journey to learning more about her core and, you know, supporting her body for the pregnancy she wants and all of those things. So Megan, thanks for joining us. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for having me today. I am super excited. We, we did a, we did a e-session not too long ago and I, you had, you said something either in when you had reached out in the email or in, in the e-session that I was like, Oh, people need to hear that. And, and I asked you if you would be willing to share your story in a podcast and I'm grateful that you did. So tell, tell everybody just a little bit about yourself. Tell them about, you know, kind of who you are and what's going on and how you found the tummy team. Okay. Um, so I'm Megan. I am 26. I'm from South Carolina. Um, I have three little girls, a almost four-year-old a two-year-old, and a six-month-old. I am a middle school music and choral teacher, so on my feet during the day, doing some singing, doing some, you know, a lot of teaching, talking. And my journey with the tummy team actually started about a year ago from today. Uh, I was pregnant with my third child, and in my second pregnancy, I had to have a C-section due to my daughter being in the breech position. So an unavoidable situation, had C-section, and that was fine. Um, Did you know going into the delivery that you were going to need to have a C-section? Did you know she was breached? Was it somewhat planned at the last minute, or was it kind of came around in in the birth? So it was towards the very end of that second pregnancy. I must have been like, I don't know, 35 weeks, like, pretty close to the end and we go in for that last ultrasound and the tech goes you know she's breech right and I was like oh, I did not know that um you know so what what are we going to do uh we tried to do the version where they tried to externally t- you know turn the baby and you know I've heard that sometimes that can work for people it did not work for me and then it was like okay well you're pretty much going to have to have C-section unless she turns by herself. And due to some healthcare reasons, I was actually being treated two hours from my home. I was still under my parents' insurance. So I had to be within network, all of that. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I don't want to go into labor at home being two hours away with her being in breach position. So we scheduled the C-section and did that. Um, So it was planned, but sort of kind of very last minute. Right, right. Got it. Okay, good. That gives some good background. Right. And so then, you know, pregnant with my third one, and just overall feeling just sort of weak, 
um, throughout my whole body and knew I was going to have to think about my next delivery. And um, we, this is our third child, but I know that maybe I want one or two more. And I know once you have that second C-section, you're locked into C-section. So I was like, okay, what can I do to whatever I can to prepare so that doesn't happen again? And I think I was just searching for resources and I found um, a YouTube video with some of your information about your prenatal course. Um, And I remember specifically seeing one of the graphics from the course about keeping that the baby aligned throughout the pregnancy to keep them, you know, get them locked into the pelvis and engaged the right way. And so I just found the website and looked more into it. And I was like, this just seems like this could be really helpful. And it doesn't work out. It doesn't. It feels Um, like something proactive you could be doing. And I think that sometimes we can feel like we're at the mercy of what is the alignment going to be like, you know, like what we're just going to have to wait and see. And then we're going to have to try to convince, you know, but you, it seemed like you were like, okay, what can I do to be proactive and, and help baby get in a better position? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, Cool. So you did, how far along were you when you did prenatal core training? Oh, let me think about that for a second. She was born in July. Do you think you were like already in your second trimester or further along? Yes. I would have been like four or five months along when I started. Okay, perfect timing. And our our prenatal core training is like a six-week course that talks about basically strengthening your core and getting the coordination between the core and the pelvic floor for pushing. It helps with fetal alignment and mama alignment and helping with all kinds of stuff that, that people need, but don't know they need. And often how people find this is they had some sort of trauma in the, in a previous birth and they're trying desperately to not let that happen again. Um, which is a sad path but it's a common path because sometimes when we don't know we need this help we don't look for it right we almost need something some kind of event to make us think oh I should I should be proactive we're trying to change that we're trying to get people to be proactive um even without the trauma um but you know I think it can be really empowering for people to know a little bit more about what they are actually capable of doing with their body is interesting. I had another uh, session earlier today with a, with a professional and um, we were talking about how much women are kind of not prepared, ironically not prepared for how hard pregnancy and birth is on the core. You know, but, but I'm like, isn't it kind of weird that we're not prepared because we've all seen a belly and we've all seen a pregnant belly and why we don't think that that, that we might need to be proactive to help do something in that transformation (laughs) is kind of bizarre, right? That it just, I mean, yes, nature is, and it's a miracle and people are designed to have babies, but it is a huge transformation and it is not hard to believe that maybe it is hard on your body so okay so you started core prenatal core tell me like kind of when you first started the course what what resonated with you um 
I loved starting out hearing everything you talked about with the belly press. Um, you know, like I already mentioned, I'm a singer. And so I, that already made a lot of sense to me. And it was more about taking that final step and thinking more about the transverse itself. Because I was already doing those belly breaths. And when I would sing, I would, you know, basically do the same thing and use the core to push it out. But thinking more about that specific muscle was just like the last click to be like, oh, okay, I know what this is. And let me integrate it into these TA holds and, you know, the way I'm trying to use it to um, train my core, etc. Yeah, different than what you think, you know, like everybody, uh, when we think about core exercises, we get all these weird ideas of sit-ups and crunches and planks and (laughs) stuff like that. But I basically told you the thing better. (laughs) Yes. And, um, before I was pregnant back in, um, let's see, I must have been 21. I ended up doing like a fitness program and doing all of those things, all of those bad core moves. And, you know, I lost a good bit of weight and that was nice. But then looking back at it, I'm like, okay, that wasn't setting me up the right way right before I started having my children because um, I wasn't training right. the right way. Right. It starts to create that real big kind of muscle imbalance um so so you you kind of started moving through prenatal core um did you have other symptoms other than just not wanting to have a c-section were you having any um pain did you know if you had a diastasis did you have any of those other things going on um so I wouldn't say any chronic pain or anything like that um of course just being a mom and doing a lot of stuff and then being pregnant you have that pain that you sort of say is like, oh, well, that's just sort of normal. But it was nothing like every single day. Um, as far as my diastasis, I never had it actually diagnosed. My pregnancies were kind of close together. So between my first and my second, my kids are about a year and a half apart. So when I got pregnant the second time, I said to that OB, I was like, um, I think I have a diastasis. Like, what can I do while I'm pregnant? to help with that. And she was like, you probably do. And you can't really do anything about it until you're have another baby. So that was, you know, not helpful. Um, <laughs> but not uncommon, unfortunately. Yes. Yes. Um, it was more just, just general weakness. After I had my first child, I was just like, I feel so drained from the delivery and never regained any of that strength back that I had before my first pregnancy. And it just kind of kept snowballing. By the time I got to my third pregnancy, I was like, okay, I've got to change something if I'm going to be successful with this delivery this time. Yeah, yeah. All right. And so so you went through the course and baby, did you feel like there was a difference in your kind of the way you carried that pregnancy? Um, I, me personally, I don't remember anything but I do remember my mother-in-law specifically saying, you know, especially compared with number two was the breach. And I was kind of telling her about this program I'm doing. And I was like, oh, I'm doing this tummy team thing and it's really helping. And she's like, you look so like, it looks so much different this time. Like it looks like you're carrying so much better. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. So tell us about your birth experience. Um, so she came right on time. Um, I was also dealing with some gestational diabetes stuff 
So we were kind of questioning, like, how long can we let her go? Because when you're trying to do a VBAC, they don't like to do any interventions. They don't want to do um, an induction. But then they also didn't want her to go too long because of the gestational. Um, I was able to talk to my team and work it out. We did do an induction, which was great. Um, And I started the whole thing off without the epidural. So was able to think about that, all those alignment things Uh during the beginning of my labor and really trying my best to be aligned or Uh do hip circles and stuff to help her get out. Um, Ended up needing an epidural at the last part, but she um, even, so even being an epidural, I thought back about the way you had taught us to do the pushing. Uh Um, And it was actually kind of funny. I had a training nurse in the room with me. So it's time to push. And they're doing the whole, okay, you're going to need to hold your breath. And we're going to count to 10 and just push as hard as you can. And I said, I was like, well, do I have to hold my breath the whole time? And the doctor was like, well, if you don't hold your breath, it's not really going to be effective. And I was like, "Mm, okay, whatever. I'm going to do what I was taught to do. So I was doing my thing and, you know, pushing and keep keep breathing the whole time and, you know, using that transverse. And so the nurse is trying to count and she's like, do I need to keep counting for her? And he was like, no, she's doing her own thing and it's working. Just let her do it. (laughs) Tommy team did its thing. Um, And my daughter came out super quick under 10 minutes. She though. So I just know that pushing was so because it's of the coordination it's that coordination and not holding your breath and bearing down and crunching your body but you had connected throughout your pregnancy and probably throughout every bowel movement and every bathroom trip you kind of we we build in how to get that core to come in and the pelvic floor to relax so that you know you kind of support the uterus or the intestinal tract when you have a bowel movement and then relax the pelvic floor And even though you had an epidural, even though you're getting a lot of, you know, voices at that time about what you should do, and even though you're probably a little bit tired, you've been in labor, um, you, your body still knew what to do. And, and you were able, like, I always tell people, you're not paralyzed when you have the epidural, you're numb. And -hmm. it's very hard to use a muscle you already don't feel if you're numb. But if you're already connected to the muscle, then you can actually still tell that muscle what to do, um, even even if you're numb. And and mm-hmm. so it it's pretty it's pretty fun to see because sometimes with an epidural and that coaching to hold your breath and push as hard as you can, that's where we see people have this tearing, where they have the prolapse symptoms where they have a huge DR where they have all sorts of stuff because there's no feedback loop of telling them, Oh, that was too hard to push. You know, they're just, mm-hmm. there's no, there's no um, pain to say, no, 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 don't push that. Or no sensory feedback to say that's too much, you mm-hmm. know? And, and I just don't think, yes, we're pushing a big thing out of a small hole, but I don't think that we have to take every, you know, it's not like the movies, you know? Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't need to be. Now, there are times where people have their babies that are lodged in there and, you know, they have to do a couple of those really intense pushes. But I don't think the entire pushing stage needs to be that in any. No. Right. And especially compared to my first daughter. So my first I had a, a vaginal delivery. Mm-hmm. Uh, same situation of an induction and I'm on epidural. And unless I'm 
misremembering. I swear it was midnight and they're like, okay, we're going to start pushing. My daughter wasn't born until the 440 in the morning. So yeah. I think back, I'm like, did I really push that whole time? Even if it wasn't four hours, it was at least two. Yeah, it, I so, would say the most average, the average pushing for a new a first-time baby is three hours. So three hours. And if they're coaching you to hold your breath that whole time, you don't get oxygen. Guess who else doesn't oh, yeah. get oxygen? <laughs> right? The baby doesn't get oxygen. So, um, yeah. So I'm so glad you had that different experience. And how did you feel? post-delivery did you you know did you have kind of a plan um after delivery of like kind of feeling I, I mean it's always a little bit hard um I would say overall I felt pretty good um you know I had those a lot of the things you teach in the prenatal course are also just keep doing you know keep trying to start putting those TAs back in keep trying to be aligned and with the neutral pelvis so I just tried to keep those in mind um, and work them in gradually as I got um, more strength back. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that one of the biggest things that people are sometimes like, they feel like, oh, you know, I can't, I can't really do anything until I'm at that six week part. And um, not that I want people doing a lot of stuff in those first six weeks or even the first 12 weeks. I really, really like to honor that fourth trimester. Mm. But there are, it's not like you get to just lay around all the time. You still have kids and a baby to take care of. So, and you still have to get up, go to the bathroom. You still have to get up and, you know, get food. There's things you have to do. And so how you're doing those things, I feel like setting, giving you guys some initial, what do, how, how to support my body best in those first six weeks when I'm feeling the most weak, the most exhausted, and this baby needs me 24 seven you know, giving you some strategies of just setting up your newborn parenting postures and, and splinting. Did you splint postpartum? Um, I did some, and I think I just got like so busy that it sort of fell to the wayside a bit. Well, and, and honestly, it's not like you have to split, but sometimes having that split initially, um, can, can just be a lifesaver or just give you that mm -hmm. connection that you needed. And just uh, so much of it is just having a mindset of knowing what, you, even if you can't do all of the pieces, knowing what your body needs helps you to avoid some of the things that would be detrimental. If you just mm -hmm. like, you know, sat collapsed all day long, you know, that's. Oh yes. Uh, going off of that, I would say the biggest thing that I kept going forward is when I have days where I'm just so rounded and collapsed just because, you know, whatever, it's a busy day, I'm not thinking about it. The next day I'm like, oh, okay, that, I don't feel good today. Yeah. And I know why. And so then I'm being more conscious the next day. And like, even now, like during this interview, I keep going, okay, roll my shoulders back. Because I feel myself curling forward and I start to feel the effects from that. I'm like, it does really matter. So that's my kind of my main goal right now is trying to be aligned. And not just, not just thinking. Oh, that's just normal. I just have to deal with it and suck it up. But recognizing, oh, there is that's because of this thing. And I actually have some tools and strategies for that. Whether you can be 100% with them or not, even knowing that there's tools and strategies changes how, you know, how you embrace that stage of motherhood. And um, yeah, yeah. Well, cool. Did you, were you at all concerned about doing it online? 
Was that was that an issue for you when you first looked at our program? Um, I think it definitely gave me pause because I was, you know, like, okay, you know, not not just also. It's, sorry, yeah. I'm just gonna say not that it's like a ex- super expensive program, but I mean, it, it's not super cheap either. So, like, okay, do I want to invest that. this amount of money into it? Do I think it would be successful online? Um, but I think just kind of looking at the reviews, I was just like, if everyone else is doing okay with it, like I think I'll, I yeah. should be okay. So. I think we're 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 now at a point like that you know covid we we've been doing so much more stuff online than we used to i think that initially um when people you know um look at kind of the rehab component of what we're doing it's hard for them to think oh how am i going to do this without somebody bringing their hands on me without seeing somebody in person without somebody checking the alignment checking that i'm in this right place and feeling kind of like oh if i do this online thing i'm kind of on my own but what we try to help them realize is you don't really feel like you're on your own when you're doing it because you feel like oh this person actually knows exactly what i'm going through and, and, has, and, and, you know, I feel less alone because I, I feel like she knows what, what I'm going through. And, and that's, you know, I think people have gotten more comfortable with the fact that there's a lot that we can do. And there honestly is a lot we can, we're able to do online, right? A lot of education, a lot of demonstration. Yes, I would say, you know, all of your videos are so, it's so descriptive the way you're saying, okay, now do this and this is the way this should feel that um, most of the time I didn't feel like I was lost or anything like that. And the other great component is the Facebook group has been really great, especially when people just have like little quick questions. And I think a couple of times I've gone on there um, and either other people or you have given a quick response or like, okay, well maybe try this. I think I had some some kind of pain during my pregnancy and you had commented with like, okay, try these, you know, these hip circles and stuff like that. Um, so getting that quick help through the online community was extremely helpful as well. Yeah. They're a great group. I mean, they are a great group and it's very encouraging. It's nice to know you're not the only one out there. Um, and, and, and I check on there all the time, you know? Um, so I, I'm glad that, you know, that seems to be less and less of a deterrent for people. But I think that I think you touched on, you know, it is an investment. And sometimes people will say, well, if I could go and see a PT in person, my insurance will cover it, I'll just have the copay. But the reality is, you know, most medical professionals don't really do this work and don't really specialize in this. So it may be cheaper in a way, but you're not getting the same type of care. And so you end up spending more in the long run and feeling a little bit less encouraged because you didn't get quite the things that you wanted, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, so are, what is, how old is the baby, the youngest right now? Uh, six months. Six months. What, what is your current routine? You kind of mentioned already that, you know, you kind of think about your alignment, you think about, are there certain things that you've carried through um, some belly breast transverse holds, you know, different things that have felt like, Oh, this is, you know, just feels like a natural thing that my body needs. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say mostly just thinking about um, engagement during the day, whether that's like, you know, 
I'm like squatting down to do something or like I'm kind of reaching to something and I just kind of think about keeping that core connected and long. Um, and then the other thing I'm working on right now is trying to do the stretches more regularly because I know I need them. And I'm like, oh, okay, I should probably try to do this throughout the day when I'm not. Right now. So I'm not like you do the stretch and it feels so amazing. And we're like, why did I wait so long to do that stretch? It's all of us, you know? Yeah. Uh, I love the couple of videos you put on the group right now that you're like, okay, get up right now and do this stretch with me. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it and I'm going to feel better. Yeah. 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 We, yeah. That those meaningful movement uh, moments that we're, we're kind of, we're, we're doing uh, certain things to just help people see the big picture and remember how it doesn't take a long time, but it does help to kind of change the energy in your body and change the movement in your body and connect and elongate and connect and elongate and to kind of get out of some of the repetition of whether it's our work posture or our parenting posture or just habits, you know, changing and getting that variety makes a big, big difference. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you feel like what has been kind of the most impactful um, part for you? Was it the, was it the, the breathing and the coordination for the pushing? Was it the neutral pelvis? What, what seemed to be like, the thing that you're like, oh, I, I really feel like this this was the most impactful thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just overall the alignment, because it helped during the pregnancy with all of those things we just touched on, but also just going forward, I can see it making some progress towards just my goal of feeling better, my goal of feeling stronger, and my eventual goal of trying to be more fit, lose a little bit of weight. I know that these are my foundation blocks so that when I'm ready, I can do more fitness things. Right. Right. It's funny. Um, the, <laughs> what people don't recognize um, is how much it really comes down to posture. Right. <laughs> Just like what grandma told us, um, <laughs> you know, and and, and, you know, why is that? It's, be, it's because our core muscles and our pelvic floor muscles are postural and structural in nature. That's, that's the design. And if we look at our body as kind of this, you know, machine, this well-oiled machine, there's an alignment where things work effectively and efficiently. And if we're going to take a machine and ask it to do something really transformative, like grow a human being and squeeze it out of a small hole and then keep it alive with the juice of your boobs. I mean, that's a big thing, right? You know, we're going to ask this, this body to do this thing. We need to set that machinery up to be as efficient and as effective as possible, you know, and it's not just the growing the baby. It's not just the birthing the baby. It's not just the taking care of the baby after it's all of those pieces together, you know? And so it's, it, there is a prenatal component of it. There is a specific, you know, labor delivery component of it. And there's, there's a specific, you know, parenting posture component of it. And I think all of those pieces together, um, you know, it, it seems like 
you know, the culture we live in, you know, we should be doing these like insanity workouts and these crazy amounts of fitness stuff. And that's what is going to be the solution. But it it comes down to much simpler than that. Like what is the alignment of your machine? What is the balance of the internal muscles and the external muscles? How connected are you to your body when it has to do something really complicated, like push a baby out, you know, and, and, you know, how, how connected are, to you, are you to your body when your body feels very deflated, like a deflated balloon, but now you have a baby to carry around, you know? And so mm-hmm. recognizing and setting the stage for some of that stuff, it seems like really posture, it almost seems kind of uh, not exciting enough, but it's the basic things that, that make a big difference. And, and sometimes even telling somebody it's about posture is not quite enough because everybody's like, well, I have terrible posture. Well, that's mm-hmm. fixable. <laughs> that's actually not like a permanent condition. <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Do you feel like, you know, I just want to put out there that you could have done prenatal core training in with baby number two and the baby still could have been breech. Sometimes babies just go mm-hmm. breech. Sometimes that's just what happens. Um, But setting yourself up and and working on those muscles to kind of allow baby to be kind of up and in and held up and in is always, is always helpful. Because even if baby did, it did end up with another C-section, we want you to have a really good recovery of C-section number two, right? Like, Mm -hmm. but I hear what you're saying. I My first baby was a C-section. And we wanted to have a really big family. We thought we were going to have a big family. I had a lot of fertility trouble. So having the three kids we had was a lot of work <laughs> to get three. Um, so it was, um, but I I really had to fight hard to get that, that first B back. You know, mm-hmm. um, she was way overdue. Um, they didn't want to induce me, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but I, the thing that finally allowed them to help me make that step is I told them, I want to have a lot of babies and how many C-sections? Uh, once you have two C-sections, yeah. that's it. And then how many C-sections? And unfortunately I've, I've heard of people that have had six or seven C-sections, which is crazy to me, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the path I really wanted to go. And so because of that, they, you know, gave me some options. And so I'm glad that, you know, you being proactive in this way gave you kind of that option to, you know, to have a vaginal birth and to be able to not just have a vaginal birth, but have a fairly smooth, you know, birth experience. Yes. Yeah. Um, is there anything that else that you want to share with anybody? Anything that you wish you had known sooner? Or that if you if you um, could have told your earlier self this or told a friend or family member, what would you tell them? Um, I think it goes kind of just back to those posture things. It's just um, knowing how to take care of your core. We talked earlier about, you know, training your core in the wrong way. And I feel like I'm overweight and I've kind of been that way for a long time. Um, But I feel like it's possible that I was starting to have 
not necessarily diastasis itself, but some of those symptoms before I even got pregnant. And then when I did get pregnant the first time, like that was, that was the last straw. Cause I remember mm-hmm. when my first pregnancy getting that, that bulge, like when I like to take baths. So if I'm trying to go lay straight back in the bath, seeing that huge mm-hmm. bulge, like that is weird. And then realizing like, Oh, this is diastasis. And like, this is, you know, right. not great. And, um, it's hard to recover from that. I think if I had gone into my first pregnancy or even before then knowing how to support myself, obviously you can't really completely avoid diastasis when you're pregnant, but I could have been taking care of it from the beginning and healed from it a lot sooner and then been strong as the first time mother, instead of just feeling kind of like, ugh, just so how de- depleted from yeah. that. Yeah. And I mean, motherhood is exhausting, but motherhood with a weak core is especially exhausting, Mm -hmm. you know, because the core muscle is what holds you together. So everything else functions well. So when you're kind of running on, you're basically running on fumes, right? So Mm -hmm. setting yourself up to, I always tell people that our prenatal core training um, is we hope to help you have a better birth. Um, but there's birth is very complicated. We can't make any guarantees, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things, but what we can guarantee is that you'll have a better birth recovery when you do the prenatal core training. Um, and that's, you know, birth, re, you know, birth recovery is lasts so much longer than the birth, right? It's so yes. much longer. And, and so really, you know, recognizing that everything we're doing is kind of setting you up for, you know, the long Jevity of motherhood and of you know you know the next seasons of your life so well that was really good to hear I think that there are a lot of mamas out there that are wondering if they can do a VBAC if if alignment you know there's a lot of reasons that people have c-sections um mm, yeah but a lot of times it does come down to alignment whether it was breach or whether a baby was poorly positioned mm. um just like like a little asynclitic or, you know, just poorly positioned in, in the body um, and in the womb, you know, and, and having that core training can really make a big difference. And I think that it's good for people to hear that. Yeah. Yes. It, it, you know, like you said, it might not work out the way you hope it would, but yes, I feel like everyone can definitely benefit from that alignment because not only does it help the baby, but you're going to feel better. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. I had a childbirth educator that worked with us once that always said optimal um, mom alignment is also optimal fetal alignment. (laughs) You know, it's when mom's in a good alignment, mom feels better. And when mom feels better, the baby's usually in a better alignment, too. It's the same alignment. You know, (laughs) everybody wants to feel better. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Megan. Um, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. All right, everybody. I hope that that was an encouraging um, interview for you guys to hear a little bit about Megan's story and just about the importance of being proactive and 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 just looking at things a little bit differently and not just going into your next birth, kind of just hoping for the best, but being proactive and, and recognizing that there are things you can do. And we work with pregnant and postpartum women all the time, helping them prepare their bodies for this transformation and to do it well. 
and we would love to help you too. So check out what we do at thetummyteam.com and uh, we have a lot of resources for you that we'll put in the podcast notes as well. And we hope that you join us for our next podcast. All right, thanks everybody. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much for joining us today at the Tummy Team Journey Podcast. To hear more inspiring stories, subscribe to our podcast and leave a review. And of course, to get more information, check out all that we do at thetummyteam.com. We would love to help you be strong for the life you were meant to live. Oh,